Wandering Journo at Stories That Matter Studios. I'm Nance Haxton, and this is The Streets of Your Town. The podcast that takes you on an audio journey through theatre of the mind, highlighting a different slice of Australian life each episode. It's been described by Sir David Attenborough as one of the world's most dangerous ants. And it's prolific, found in colonies throughout Australia, resulting in an estimated two hospital emergency admissions a week in Adelaide alone. The native hopper ant, also known as the jack jumper, may be small, but it packs a painful sting in its tail. So much so that for a significant number of people, it causes anaphylactic shock and even death. Yet researchers say the hopper ant problem is not receiving the funding needed to properly respond to the growing number of allergic reactions. Because the hopper ant allergy is an issue unique to Australia, providing treatment is an expensive exercise, up to $3,000 a year for each person who is susceptible. The Tasmanian and Victorian state governments provide funding for hopper ant immunotherapy. However, while South Australia provides the hopper ant treatment, it doesn't fund it. In New South Wales, the situation is even worse, where the treatment is not available at all. In this episode of Streets of Your Town, I speak to Royal Adelaide Hospital immunology and allergy consultant Adriana Lee and recently retired Professor Bob Heddle, for whom researching the dangerous consequences of hopper ant stings has been a life's work. They say unless more is done, more people could be forced to leave regions such as the Adelaide Hills, where hopper ants are endemic, for fear of a potentially deadly allergic reaction. Adriana, can you tell us a bit about this issue? This is something that I certainly wasn't aware of regarding hopper ants in Australia. What is this hopper ant for people who really haven't heard of this? So the hopper ant is an ant that's native to many southern parts of Australia, particularly rural and semi-rural areas. There's hot spots in um, Tasmania, the Adelaide Hills, parts of Victoria and New South Wales. You can find them in Canberra as well. We call them hopper ants because they hop, but they're also known as jack jumper ants or jumper ants. Um, Their scientific name is Mimesia pilosula and they have some relationship with primitive bull inch ant species, but they actually quite distinct. They look quite different. They're a bit smaller, they're around a centimetre and a half and they have yellow orange pincers and legs which can help identify them. So only a centimetre and a half but it sounds like they carry quite a whopper of a bite though. Yes, well actually we don't, they don't bite, they sting. Okay. We're always correcting yes. people yeah. about that. So they have stingers so that they don't, they're not biting you with their uh, pincers or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But even though they're relatively small and so they might look less scary than a full-size bull or Mm. inch ant, they're actually very dangerous ants that have the potential to cause anaphylaxis. And I think David Attenborough did a a documentary on dangerous creatures recently and said it was the world's most dangerous ant. And is that because of this anaphylaxis that it brings on? Is is that just from even one bite or one sting? As with other insect venom allergies, so people might be familiar with having anaphylaxis to bee stings or wasp stings, you don't normally react to the first sting. You actually have to be stung at least once and usually multiple times for the body to develop allergic antibodies to the venom. 
And so it's usually on subsequent stings that you have the risk of developing anaphylaxis. Well, just when you think you'd be getting used to it, perhaps, yeah. you know, and that's when the risk is it right, yeah. Robert? Like, you yes. wouldn't have thought that, about, would you? About a third of the stings are multiple, though. Each um, is a problem. And uh, the um, venom varies from 2 to 10 micrograms, which isn't very much venom, but uh, bee, bee stings are 50 to 100. They pack a well up in terms of allergenic material. Has this become more of a problem in recent years? We, we don't know that, really. Oh. We, we recognise as a problem increasingly, and how much it's increased recognition and how much it's increased incidence is... is matter of debate. But certainly you're getting quite a few people. How many people have come through with this anaphylaxis from the well, hopper? Most, mostly from the Adelaide Hills, but uh, also the, the, the coastal regions, the Great Australian Bight, peninsulas. It's uh, about a third of our workload, I think, in total. So and these things are about you know, 60%, so it uh, doesn't leave much else. I think you were mentioning there's quite a high number of anaphylaxis cases. I think it was about... 10,000, was that right? What was yeah, about, yeah, about 10,000 people have had anaphylaxis, let alone generalised reactions, um, anaphylaxis to it. So um, That's a lot of people. Yeah, it is, mm. and, and, and that's probably a conservative estimate. Mm. But in South Australia, it's a localised problem. It's Adelaide mm. Hills, the southeast, the peninsula, southern end of the peninsulas and so on. It's, it's not the Adelaide Plains, for example. And if the person is stung and has a reaction in the Adelaide Hills, uh, the odds are it's operating. What can be done? Uh, is there some sort of, is it an anti-venom or what, what sort of treatment is it for, for people who've suffered this reaction? There is effective treatment available. We call it venom immunotherapy. It's a form of desensitisation treatment. Professor Hedor actually has spent decades of his career now <laughs> developing the treatment and making it available to Australians and he conducted and was the head of very high quality studies in conjunction with Tasmania because Tasmania has an enormous yeah, hopperant yeah. problem to develop the treatment. So venom immunotherapy basically involves giving the patients a purified extract form of the venom and giving them starting off with a very small amount and building up gradually until they t tolerate it. And we build them up till they can tolerate a 50 microgram dose of venom, which is uh, well above what would be in a single ant sink, because a single ant sink contains two to 10 micrograms. Mm. And in the clinical trials that Professor Heddle conducted, he showed that if you didn't have the therapy and you were allergic, that you had a 70% or so risk of having anaphylaxis if you were stung several again. Studies. Several studies. And that if you did have the venom therapy, that that risk would be reduced down to less than 5%. Oh, so it's very effective then. Yeah, yeah it, it is. It is. It's not completely effective, but it's pretty but close. Pretty close and more effective than B venom therapy, for example. Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah, okay. yeah. Is it hard to access or is it expensive? How do people get access to this treatment? Access is something that is still an issue. Mm -hmm. Just to have a comparison. So bee venom therapy, which is actually less effective, but because bee venom allergy is a worldwide problem that everybody knows about, there's a commercial product. It's listed as a medication, so um, it can be PBS. It's PBS subsidised, so it only costs eighty dollars or so a year for treatment, and normally we recommend at least five years of treatment mm -hmm. for the hopperant immunotherapy. Um, because it's such a localised problem to Australia, you know, there's no drug companies putting money into research. This has all been investigated, initiated by Professor Heddle and the Tasmanian colleagues. Yeah, yeah. 
And the process to actually make that purified venom extract involves the Tasmanian Jack Jumper Ant program. They actually go catch these wild ants. They essentially vacuum up these wild ants. They dissect the sacs out and extract the venom. These tiny little ants. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. it's a highly laborious, mm. expensive yeah. process. Mm. And then they um, supply the venom to Tasmanian patients and to us and to Victorian patients just at the cost for manufacture. So they're not making a profit out of this, but it does, it's $2 or so per microgram. And you have a 50 microgram dose, plus you have to have the pharmaceutical fee for making it up and things like that. So you're looking at $230 a dose, which you're looking at two to $3,000 a year. And how long do people, if they've had this reaction, need to have that treatment for? Even though the the treatment is effective once you reach that maintenance dose of 50 micrograms, so that only takes a couple of months to get to that dose, in order to make sure that you have a a long-lived benefit from it, we recommend at least five years of therapy of maintenance dosing. So you can see that cost does add up. Um, the cost is reduced in this second and third year, though. It's yeah. a order of $1,000 a year. So uh, around $3,000 in the yeah, first year yeah. and a couple of thousand dollars yeah. thereafter. It's still so a significant yeah. expense, yeah. isn't yeah. it, for people? And mm-hmm. if they've had anaphylaxis and low blood pressure, we recommend indefinite, indefinite therapy. Yeah. So, oh. But that can be mm. as much as alternate months, so um, it, it costs mm. reduced, yeah. So it could be a lifelong issue for some people yeah. that they always have this um, sensitivity to that hopper. Yeah. Yes. Unless yeah. they move out of the exposed area. That has actually been an issue. Some people have really had to even consider moving or have moved just because yeah. they can't afford yeah. that long-term risk. We have heard of several cases of patients living in the Adelaide Hills who have moved because of the, the problem and them developing allergy to the hopper ads. And in those cases, I think they weren't aware that there was a treatment available. So even um, we had a, a patient meeting recently in the hills and a lot of the residents said actually they didn't know about the problem when they moved there. It's not really, even the GPs don't all know about the problem. Yeah. And even the GPs who know that there's a problem, many of them, but some of them don't know that there's effective treatment available. So just an awareness of knowing that it is a problem and there, there is effective treatment might have been able to prevent them from having to move, which would cost, I imagine, many thousands of dollars mm. and they're moving from a very beautiful area because and of the some, ants. Some of the moves have been um, to the southeast where the ants have been re- recovered in the... Uh, so, so the moves haven't always been effective. Yeah, sometimes yeah. they've moved and the ants have still been there, so that's another problem. But so it's a real awareness campaign is needed for through the, through the levels of, of yeah. health as well. So is South Australia the only state where this treatment is that expensive? Is it subsidised in other areas? Tasmania and Victoria have um, programs, yeah. state-funded programs that um, cover the cost of therapy for their, mm. their residents. Mm. Um, though that said... Um, some places like uh, New South Wales and the ACT, yeah. the treatment's not even available no, there. No. Um, oh, wow. Well. So um, people who have that allergy, yeah. it's even more yeah. of a problem for them there. We have had referrals from New South mm-hmm. Wales asking us to, to treat the patients, but it's it's not feasible to do it no, interstate no. like that. So yeah. we're intermediate. We, the, 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 the cost of venom is not zero here, but on the other hand, the treatment is available. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
Would some sort of subsidising help? I mean, should the state government really be looking at that? This seems to be quite a significant problem locally. Well, Victoria and New Tasmania have set the example, haven't they? So uh, I think that South Australia should go the same way. Yeah, I think um, we have a few hundred patients who we've diagnosed with the problem and um, the test for diagnosing hopper ant allergy only became available in around 2007. Even that test had to be specially developed just for um, Australia. It's only performed in um, SA pathology here at South Australia, so everyone sends their tests here to diagnose the problem. Um, But even though we have a few hundred people who have been diagnosed, we only have around 50 or so on treatment and 20 of those uh, subsidised through trial treatment. So you can see that the, I think the cost is a significant barrier to patients Mm. being able to undertake the therapy. And even though deaths from venom anaphylaxis is rare, it does occur. But I think more to the point is that the venom immunotherapy has been shown to really improve quality of life. Because if you don't have venom immunotherapy, your only options are avoidance, um, which is really means you have to move or that you carry an EpiPen which you know is associated with a significant degree of anxiety you can imagine living in your own home and being scared of going outside the ants can come inside as well and so the treatment really gives patients very important peace of mind and they don't have to, to carry their EpiPen I think patients find it high value when they when they are able to undertake it we, we get to carry the EpiPen until they have one or two stings, don't we? And uh, but the, in a sense, it's not necessary. Once their maintenance dose covers us and covers them, the minor chance of reaction. It sounds like it's quite an endemic problem. It doesn't sound like we're getting rid of the hopper ants anytime no, soon. No, no um, we had an environmental consultant who she believes it might even the problem might even be increasing yeah. and that yeah. they're spreading. She's postulated that might be the way the land is being, you know, we're losing tree cover and that it's promoting the ant nests. Um, The ants like hot, dry weather. So whether climate change is contributing is also a possibility, but they're certainly not leaving or or reducing. So the treatment is really important. Yeah, it is. And the point's a valid point that uh, reducing the overhead cover of trees and so on is probably... It's probable that it increased numbers, yep. Mm. So from here, will you be doing more lobbying with the government or what's the next step, do you think? We're lobbying with the government mm. uh, and, and strictly the application is under consideration. We keep on lobbying until we get the result. I mean, it's a, it's a localised, unique problem, but it's not a rare problem. Yes. And I think... What we would really like to do is raise awareness um, of the problem and so that particular that people who are living in affected areas are, are aware that it's a possibility to develop allergy to these ants. And we'd like to, people to know that actually there is very effective treatment possible and we'd hope that one day that treatment is more accessible um, to everyone affected. It's, it's even got as far as Queensland now, you were saying, yeah. onto some very small regions. In, in the mm. yeah, highland regions of Queensland in the south, it's mm. present. Yeah. Right. I think you said the Sunshine Coast hinterland? Yeah, that's right, and, and the hinterland, uh, Sunshine Coast in the area south of Brisbane too. Um, oh, the Gold Coast hinterland. Gold Coast hinterland, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. So people really do need to be aware that this 
could be an issue in these little spots uh, and that there is a treatment available that they don't have to suffer. I mean, and gosh, to get anaphylaxis, it's not to be mucked around with. You've got to get straight to hospital, obviously. And and the EpiPen EpiPen as well. There's very few contraindications to adrenaline self-injections. So um, if people have had anaphylaxis or even a generalised reaction to the ants, they need to see their doctor. I mean, in Queensland, there's quite a lot of publicity around the fire ants. Is this comparable to that? It's much more numerous than the fire ant problem at present, but the fire ants have potential. The, the thing about the fire ants is that, that they're small, extremely small and that people with reduced mobility, they tend to attack in numbers, so they are a problem in that regard. But the, And the, the venom particularly is quite nasty. It seems to have more allergenic proteins, so in the way that some foods are more likely to cause allergy, the inherent properties of the hopperant venom are allergenic. That was Royal Adelaide Hospital immunology and allergy consultant Adriana Lee and Professor Bob Heddle warning about the consequences of complacency around the dangerous hopper ant. Streets of Your Town is produced by Nance Haxton, a.k.a. The Wandering Journo, with production assistance from Michael Adams. That's it for this episode. I'm Nance Haxton. Stay up to date with the latest episode of Streets of Your Town by subscribing on your podcast app on iTunes or SoundCloud. See you next time.